0: Yes, I am so glad you're here. You were meant to listen to this episode of The Shalene Show. This is part three of The Declutter Project. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. This is part three. Of course, as always, I'm going to recommend that you go back and listen to part one and part two because they build on each other and they bring us to the place where we are today. Today, we're going to talk about organization. And before we talk about organization, it's really important you understand there's a huge difference between being organized and being disorganized. And there's a huge difference between being organized but very cluttered. And there's a difference between being disorganized but you don't have a lot of clutter. like. All of these things are important, ideally. Ultimately, we wanna be very organized and have minimal clutter. In study after study, it has been determined that clutter and organization actually interfere with the pleasure we experience in our life. Get this, 82% of people surveyed stated that they believed their quality of life would be significantly better if they were organized. 44% of people say that when their home is messy, they make bad food choices. 77% of people believe they are far more productive when their home is tidy and organized. 65% of people say they can focus far better when their space is organized and decluttered. 53% of people say that when their space is disorganized and cluttered, they completely lose all motivation. And over 60% of people believe that they would be happier if they had more organization. I mean, this is such a big deal. And honestly, it wasn't until I started doing this refresher course, if you will, on decluttering and getting organized that I was reminded how important our focus is. Whether you're trying to improve your marriage or you want to work on your business or build a business or you're trying to focus on getting your kid through high school, whatever it is, You need to be focused. You need presence. You need your mind to be clear. So the disorganization and the clutter in our lives may be a huge barrier to that thing that you want to feel. It may be the reason why you're being held back in so many areas. And so it's really important to tackle. We all can benefit, including myself, including yours truly, from learning to be even more organized and have less clutter. You want to be successful. I know you do. Success based on your definition of success. I'm not talking about just making more money. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we should be defining success from the health and happiness of our children to the emotional connectedness we feel to our partner to our business success, however it is you define success, I know you deserve to be successful. And one thing I have found consistent with very successful people, the kind of people that fit my definition of success, which means that they are, they're smart about their success, they're actually living a life. One thing I found they all have in common is they're organized. Now, not perfect, but they're really organized. And when I first started to notice this, I was a personal trainer. I was in my early 20s, Brett and I were, I don't even think we were married yet, we were engaged, and I had an in-home personal training business. At the time, the people who could afford my rates, the people who were into in-home personal training, because it was kind of like a new kind of luxury indulgence at the time. So when I had new clients, they were usually pretty affluent, they were successful. And at first, many of my clients lived in this big, expansive neighborhood that I dreamed of living in someday. They had huge homes, and no matter whose home I walked into or how many kids or pets they had, their house was really clutter free, really organized. You could just tell like they had special rooms for special things, and everything went in its place and I thought to myself, "Oh, okay, so." When you're wealthy, you just have enough money to buy a big house where there's a room for everything. So you just have more space and that's why these people were so organized. But then I started getting clients who lived in tiny, teeny little beach bungalows. Again, very successful, otherwise you're not buying a beach bungalow. But we're talking, they had that same level of organization and a decluttered feel where things just had their place and their homes felt peaceful, even if their home was only 800 square feet. And I thought to myself, okay, so this is one thing all of these people have in common. Their home does not look like my apartment at the time. My apartment even though it was bigger than some of my, you know, more successful clients who lived on the beach, my little apartment in Lake Forest was like a mess. I mean, piles of clothes and papers and, you know, things that don't belong. And I've described it before. You get the picture. It was just pretty messy. So once I started seeing, gosh, they lived differently. What came first? The organization or the success? And the more I worked on becoming more organized the more focused I had, and the more I realized these things were happening kind of simultaneously. The more organized I became, the more successful I became. The more successful I became, the more I needed to be organized to maintain my focus. In previous episodes, we really focused on decluttering. But the bottom line is, the more things you have, the more often you're going to have to go through this process of decluttering. And decluttering really needs to happen before we can get organized. But it's the get organized part that makes the tidying up something you don't have to do as often. It's the organization piece that becomes a time saver. Because once you have an organized system, there's a keyword system in place, you're not having to just move things around and figure out what you need to donate and organize things and tidy up again. Once you have a system in place, and you stick to that system, you will have to declutter far less frequently. I'm not telling you you'll never have to do it again. I think that's, you know, that's ludicrous. That's a perfectionist ideal that I don't think is healthy for you to hang on to. I want you to think about the 80-20 rule. I want you to think about better, not best. I want you to think about improving yourself, not perfecting yourself. But once you have a system in place, then you'll find you have to do this less often. Let me give you an example that I know is happening in your home. You have a drawer where you put your silverware, your flatware, your knives, your forks, your spoons. They're in the same drawer. I'll bet you a million bucks. 99.9% of the people who are listening to this right now have all of their cutlery, their forks or spoons or knives in one drawer. And hopefully... At least 70% of you have them divided. So the spoons are in one divider, forks in another, and knives in their own divider. Now, if you don't have that level of organization in your home, you need to go back and re-listen to part one and part two, like on repeat until we get to that point. But I would assume it's pretty safe for me to assume that you have all of your flatware in one drawer. That's a system that has stayed in place for maybe hundreds of years in your family. That's a that's a system that's been passed on as a legacy. Your grandmother did that. Your great-grandmother did that. Your mom did that. Now you're doing that and you're teaching your children that all of our forks and spoons and knives go in this drawer. It makes it much easier. Everyone knows that system. Everybody abides by that system. Although sometimes they pretend like they don't know where these things go. Everybody knows that's where they belong And that's where they'll find them. Can you imagine if every day when you needed to use a fork, you had to search all over the house or open every drawer in the kitchen? What a nightmare. Or if you didn't have one set place and every time you decided to do this deep cleaning, you put those forks and knives in a new spot, it just wouldn't work. Systems provide structure, organization, peace, predictability, and a savings in time. I use that example because I want you to know it's possible. The reason why the forks and knives and spoons example works is because you don't allow or accept those items to be in any other place other than where they belong. Systems allow us to stay organized. Systems are required in order to develop habits. It's the habits that make life easier. Remember, we've talked a lot about habits on The Shalene Show. Habits make it possible for you to just do things without having to force yourself, without having to discipline or remind yourself. And habits need a trigger. They need an anchor. They need a reminder so that they can become mindless. You don't even think about, you don't have to discipline yourself to put the fork where it belongs. It's a habit. So much so that when you're at someone else's home and you go to grab a fork, you just open up the drawer where you think it would be based on the habit you formed from being in your own home. You know that's true. But in order for us to have the habits, we need the systems. So I want you to stay with me. Don't leave me yet, okay? Because we are changing who you are. We are changing your ability to focus and the success that you deserve by working on these skills, by getting this right in your life. Today, I'm going to share with you some of the systems you need to have in place and how to develop those. And in a follow-up episode, we're going to talk about the habits the habits that make these systems stick. Get excited because I've already done the research on that episode and it's going to help you so much. But today I want to start with a bonus tip, a bonus decluttering tip. And here it is. Get some skin in the game. I mean, it's really easy to lose interest in decluttering. Again, we're going to talk about organization in this episode, but Part of organization means you've gotta declutter first before you can even begin to organize. And there's a good chance you still have a massive amount of clutter in your home, in your office, or wherever it is you've decided to tidy up. One way you can keep yourself accountable is putting skin in the game. In other words, put some money on the line. Now, this might not be a possibility for you at the moment, but imagine if you had the extra money to do this because you were able to sell some of the things you're not using and never plan to use in the future. And that is this, get a dumpster. Now, having a dumpster delivered to your home is gonna run you somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to $400. And maybe that's outside of your budget. But what is it worth to you? What is it worth to you to get your house decluttered to make this process happen? When Brock, our oldest son, moved out and away to college, we realized, you know, at a certain point, we are not gonna need this big, giant home. Our daughter will be graduating in just a few more years. It's gonna take us a couple of years just to declutter this thing. And we're very organized, I'll give you that, and I'm gonna take full responsibility. I like things, and I have too many things. And this house has so much storage that even though all of our storage areas were really organized, There's a whole bunch of stuff being stored that we just didn't need. At some point, we're gonna wanna downsize. We're going to want to be in a smaller space. But it's gonna take us years, or it's gonna be a nightmare if suddenly it's like, okay, we're moving, how would we ever go through everything? And I wanted it to be a calm process. I didn't want it to be like something we had to do within a week. We've got a lot of rooms, a lot of rooms, a lot of closets, people. So we decided to start the process ahead of time closet by closet, storage area by storage area, unused room by unused room. We decided to order a small dumpster. And on Monday morning, when that dumpster showed up, they dropped it off at the end of our driveway. (laughs) I just had this sinking feeling in my stomach. Now I had this thing I had to fill, like I had to fill it. You know what I mean? Like it was a lot different from just going through rooms and going, yeah, we don't need this. We don't need that. Like now I had a goal, like a measure, a thing I had to achieve. I had pressure. I had accountability. Like, I don't know. There was something about that dumpster being at the end of our driveway that really gave me the motivation and the determination and the accountability to get rid of stuff. Now, true confession. I had a really hard time throwing certain things away because I would do that like, oh, but if you just glued the leg back on, somebody might want this. Or, well, yeah, but if you just repainted it, it would be a really nice fill in the blank. But all of those things, if we just set them at the end of our driveway and put a, a note on them that said free, that's a lot of free stuff on the end of our driveway. Garage sales are a nightmare here in California. In the Midwest, I'm a Michigan girl. You could like make a living off of having garage sales. People are nice. They're normal. They're reasonable here in California. I'm sorry. Feel free to disagree. Garage sales are a nightmare. I would rather stick hot pins in my eyeballs than have that was very graphic than have another garage sale. They're so painful. People show up at 5 a.m. They argue with you and they want to pay a quarter for a brand new plasma TV. I mean, it's like horrible. (laughs) It's so not worth it. So here in California, I'm of the mindset you either donate it. Give it away to someone or throw it away. And giving it away to someone we've already talked about. So anyways, I've got this big dumpster and I just had a really hard time putting things in it. So what I did, here was our system. I'm just sharing this with you in case it helps for you. I would pull everything that I knew either could be painted or fixed or maybe somebody might want it or maybe we could throw it away. And I put in a huge pile in our garage. Now, if you're going through this process with a partner, or your spouse, or kids, or your best friend, or whoever you live with, you need to give the person who's the least likely to hang on to things, you need to give them permission to throw things away. And just don't look. Just don't look in the dumpster. I bet you'll never even know it's missing. You'll never miss it if you don't know it got thrown out. When you go through this process, I know you've already done this or had this happen, where you stumble upon things, you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot I even had this. You were going to go out and rebuy it anyways, so just get rid of it. Brett had permission to do with it what he needed to do. I just didn't want to know. But before long, then I was really excited about filling this dumpster. And I'm like, yeah, throw it away. Throw it away. I mean, I'm talking like old sheets and pillows and things. And I'm like, oh, these are so gross. I mean, would I even donate these to a homeless shelter? They're disgusting. Why am I holding on to these? These are so disgusting. I've had them since before college. And even then they were cheap, gross, nasty sheets. Why am I hanging on to these? Oh, I know I'm hanging on to them in case someday I want to use them as a drop cloth. Like you have all these dumb reasons for hanging on to things. Throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. And you just start getting this momentum when you've got a dumpster out front. Now, a less expensive option than a dumpster, two less expensive options. Um, the first of which is just get a massive amount of black plastic bags. But there's no skin in the game, right? You're not like, oh man, I paid for these plastic bags. I better fill them. Invest in your declutter. Another thing you could do is look into a company called Bagster. I'll spell it. B-A-G-S-T-E-R, bagster.com. It's a very lightweight portable version of a dumpster. I guess I think it's made of like a heavy duty canvas. That's a trademarked name. They're not available in all areas, but you enter your zip code and you may find that they do deliver to your area. It's about half the price of a regular dumpster. They come and deliver it. You fill it. They come back and pick it up. Another option might be to hire a trash hauler. Now they're going to charge you in the neighborhood of $75 to $100 per load. You need to find out from them in advance how big a load is. But this is another great way to like go, okay, they're coming on Saturday. We need to have enough to fill their load and it really gets the ball rolling. Now I want to move on to organization. Step one, you need to define each space. Now, if you have other people that live in your home, this is something you probably need to do with their help and input. Otherwise, If you have one idea of how a space should be used and you haven't communicated that with your partner or your kids or your roommates, you're always going to be in this constant battle. So you wanna make sure that everyone is in agreement in how this space needs to be used. And then it should only be used for those things. Now, if you live in a small space, you've got to make rooms multifunctional. But that doesn't mean that anything goes in that room, you really need to define what things happen in this room. Say, for example, craft supplies can be found in just about every room of the house and you don't have a a crafting room. So where do these things belong? They belong in one room, but that room is probably multifunctional. Let's say, for example, you've got enough storage in your laundry room if you decluttered, then your laundry room could be where you keep the crafts. Another example might be your workout equipment. Maybe you've got a resistance ball in the living room, a set of dumbbells in the garage, some exercise bands that you have hanging in your closet, yoga mat that's stuffed underneath the couch, and now the corner of your bedroom has this treadmill you haven't used in three years, and it's functioning as a place to throw your dirty clothes or the clothes you need to hang up later. Now, these are all pieces of exercise equipment, but they're everywhere in the house. They need a defined space, a space where everyone agrees this is where the fitness equipment goes, or this is where the crafting goes, or this is where the sewing goes, or this is where the kids' hobbies, or this is where our kids' sporting equipment goes. They need a defined space, but unless you grew up in the Spellings household, you don't have like a separate room just for wrapping gifts. That means many of your rooms are going to need to be multifunctional. So make sure everybody is in agreement with the fact that this is where these things are going to go. This is going to be their new home and this is where they're always going to be returned to. The only room that I personally believe needs to be off limits is your master bedroom. Sleep and your intimate relationships are way too important to clutter that room with anything. Now, I realize you might be living in a studio apartment in New York City, and this is just not even an option, but if it is, I want you to really think about getting that stuff out of your bedroom. For quite a while, I was recording the audio version of my book, Push, which by the way, it's not my voice at the moment. And part of the reason why I think is because I was doing that recording in our master bedroom. Big no-no. It was quiet there. I felt like it was very serene and very peaceful. And I feel very calm in our bedroom. But while I was recording it, which took forever, and it was in the middle of creating the 131, we literally had to make a decision and decide, which was really hard for me because obviously I'm a podcaster, we had to make a decision that something had to go. I had to make a decision. Am I going to be the voice of my book? Or am I going to be the voice of the program, 131? And we had to make that call. It was a difficult decision for me. But I think one of the reasons why I made that decision is because I was doing all the audio recordings in our bedroom. And our bedroom then started to feel like a heavy black cloud. I mean every time I walked into my bedroom now I would see my microphone and my setup and I would be reminded that I had too much on my plate. I would feel stressed. I would feel guilty. I would feel nauseous thinking about oh my gosh, I've got these two things I've got to make this decision. There's all these people who are expecting me to read my book, but yet I've got this passion for the 131 program in nutrition and helping people with their health and I've got to do this now. And the book I released in 2011, so it just became this fight in my own brain every time I walked into my bedroom, and that's the one place where I need it to feel like a sanctuary, where Brett and I can connect, we can free ourselves from the rat race of the day, and where I can get restorative sleep, and that's not happening if in my subconscious mind, I know my microphone is propped up four feet away from where I'm trying to sleep. If you live in a space where you absolutely have to multitask or multifunction your bedroom, at least create divided spaces so that everything has its place within the space, so that it feels like very defined, separate places within the space. You can use a room divider, a curtain, a plant, just something so that mentally you know, okay, everything beyond this plant or this curtain is where I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And again, try to avoid using your bedroom or the place where you sleep as a multi-purpose room. Moving on, now that you have given some thought to how each room or each space needs to function and perhaps even overlapping functions, and you've defined that, it makes sense in terms of convenience and flow of your home or your workspace. Now what you need to do is Create individual places within that space where things belong. Again, I'm going to return to the example of your flatware. Your flatware belongs in the kitchen. Its defined place in that space is one particular drawer. Give all items that will live in that space their own defined place. Every item you own needs a place. And like things should be organized with like things. Everyone knows what place to look for inside that space. Example, where you store your shoes in your closet. It's not just, okay, here's all the shoes. There should be a defined place. Even if it's just an area on the same rack, that might mean that all of your boots are on the right side, your athletic wear or your athletic shoes are in the middle, and all of your high heels go across the top but they shouldn't be mixed together. That's distracting to your brain when you mix all of these things together. Your brain has to make a decision every time it looks at that mess, that heap, that pile. So really, the more you can categorize and even subcategorize the places inside this space for individual items, the more freedom and peace and clarity and focus you will have. Your next tip is to invest in the tools you need to make your systems stick. Let's go back to the flatware example. You invested, hopefully, in a divider that keeps your knives separate from your forks, separate from your spoons. Now, could you just lay them in the drawer in piles? Yes, but that organizational tool makes things more convenient, more identifiable, and easier to maintain. The way to do this in my opinion, is to spend some time on Pinterest and be careful that you don't just get caught up in things that look really cute. You have to ask yourself, is that going to make it quicker and easier for me to access things? So an example of this might be, you'll see on Pinterest, someone who's organized their pantry and every single item has been poured into a clear container and then labeled. And each clear container has like a glass lid that has to be released. Like that looks so pretty, but it's like five extra steps just to get into the container. Spend some time looking on Pinterest, whatever it is you're organizing. Let's say it's a corner of your garage or you're trying to figure out a better way to organize your jewelry. Spend considerable time examining things on Pinterest. This is a great place to find them. But don't just look at them for how pretty they look. Think about how functional it would be. When it comes to closet spaces, you've heard me talk endlessly about a brand of hangers that I I really should be. This, this podcast should be sponsored by Huggable Hangers. It is not. But it's one of those investments that I urge people to make because it's convenient. The hangers are very thin. They're all color-coded things don't fall off your hangers. Like when I had a bajillion different types of hangers hanging in my closet, that just looked messy. Then I switched to very expensive wooden hangers. That took up way too much space and everything slid off the hangers. So half my closet was on the floor just because I was trying to go through my hangers. Huggable hangers are one of those things that I see as a critical investment. I bought a set when we moved into the home that we're in now 11, 12 years ago. And I still have the same sets. They're amazing. Don't buy a, a trendy color, buy a classic color if you're going to buy them. Can you buy the knockoffs? You can. But when I've tried buying the knockoffs before, like the, the tops break off. They, they just, you know, you get what you paid for. Invest in the right hooks and hanging systems. Invest in having a handyman install these things. But one thing I want to make certain you stay aware of is that your organization should look organized. Don't get caught up in buying adorable cute containers because of the trendy pattern that's on them or their cute design. The busier your organizational pieces are, the more cluttered even an organized space can feel. I know it looks perfect on Pinterest, but remember that you wanna keep things in basic neutral colors so that even when you're buying one container today and then maybe you've gotta add to it a year from now, You don't have to add a piece that doesn't match. The more your organizational system can match, the calmer your mind will feel when you look at the space as a whole. Before you begin buying or investing, I should say, in things that help you to become more organized like a divider for your socks or a wall divider, a hanging shelf, plastic bins, hooks, or shelving, do me a favor, measure the space first. Don't try to eyeball it. Don't try to guess or you will end up wasting time and money. I implore you to invest in things that make life easier to maintain these systems. A way for you to hang as much as possible because what's out of sight is out of mind and not used. But don't invest in each of these pieces all at once. Once you've finished decluttering a particular space, then you can think about how you want to use that space. And more importantly, where each item has a place. What is its place? And then what do you need? What do you need to invest in or to make or to create or to refurbish that allows you to maintain that place for those like items? This is a critical step because In my follow-up episode, I'm gonna talk to you about the habits that make this stuff stick. I mean, you don't wanna end up here again. You don't want to be that person who gets all excited about decluttering and organizing, and then three months later, it feels like a bomb went off again. You don't wanna be that person. In order to not be that person, you have to change your habits. And in order to make habits easy and simple, you need systems. Systems are easiest when we have a trigger. Something that prompts or reminds us or tells us where to place things. And if you're on a budget, a wonderful resource for you is a Salvation Army. They don't just carry used clothes. You can find filing cabinets, hangers, racks, hooks, shelves, and storage units of all kinds. Rather than scheduling a Salvation Army pickup of the items you're donating, maybe you go and drop them off and in the process, check it out. See if they've got some great tools to help you get more organized. But I want to emphasize the fact that this is a process. It's not something you can do in one weekend. I've talked a little bit about some of the books that I've used to help me create my own systems and to feel more organized and to constantly be improving upon this because I don't want you to think that if you show up at my house, it's going to be like perfect. It's not. But it definitely keeps getting better. And I keep getting better. Bread is like I don't know, he was born organized, it's crazy. He doesn't hang on to clutter, he doesn't need a lot of things. As you know, I have an Amazon problem. You know, probably the best way to stay organized is to not go on Amazon. That's not true. I've actually ordered a lot of great devices and gadgets and tools that have allowed us to become more organized. But the bottom line is this, right? You are only going to be more organized and less cluttered if you have fewer things. That's the ultimate. Next, I ask you to remember that this is a process and it's an ongoing process. It's like anything. You're gonna keep getting better and better. It's not, you're gonna fix it this weekend and and be clutter-free and the most organized freak on the block by Monday. That's unrealistic. Pick a space and just start adopting this mindset so that you begin to change the way you think as opposed to just tackling the house or tackling your office space begin to change the way you think and the way you see things and the way you operate and the systems you have in place. And in my next episode, we'll dig into the habits. These are really important. The mindset, the mantras, the kind of rules and policies that you need to put in place for yourself and everybody in your home if you want to create a system of organization that stays intact. And we know it's possible because of your forks and knives and spoons. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The Shaleen Show. I hope if you found this useful, which I've been hearing from so many of you on SpeakPipe and reaching out to me on Snapchat, on Instagram, I hope that you will share this with your friends. I've heard that there's lots of people doing like declutter challenges and projects, and there's a couple of Facebook groups, and you're using this podcast as part of that challenge, and I am so excited to hear that. I'm cheering you on, and I'm encouraging you to share this with your friends, because it trickles down into every area of your life. It may be the obstacle if you're a leader, if you're the boss, if you're the manager. This might be the reason why you're finding people that you are in charge of leading, why they are stuck. Clutter and disorganization doesn't need to hold you back. Now I'd like to ask a personal favor. If you've enjoyed this series, even if you've written a review before on iTunes or The Stitcher app or Podbean, wherever you're listening to this episode, whatever that app is, you can write a review about this particular series. I would love that. Use the word declutter, use organization, use chaos, use mess, all those words, because when somebody is searching for a solution, I want them to find this series, and you could really help me to do that. If this has been really helpful to you, it would mean a lot to me if If you did that, I think of that as like my tip jar. When people say to me, what can I do? This has been so helpful. How can I help you? You can help me by helping me reach other people. That would be the most important thing, the kindest thing. I know it takes a few minutes. So thank you in advance for taking the time to write a five-star review. And again, you can do that even if you've already written a review. You would just write a review specific to this series. That would be great. All right. Part four is up next. Oh, and don't forget, you are the bomb. You want to minimize the number of poor decisions you make when it comes to your health. One thing that almost everyone needs to do is drink more water. It's something that I didn't do for many years, even as a health and fitness professional. I was surviving on a diet soda addiction. It was almost embarrassing. Like I would hide how much diet soda I was drinking, but I thought it was zero calories. And I literally considered that, quote, clean eating because it was zero calories. And I also didn't like drinking water. It was a tough habit to break, and I'm not proud of the fact that I drank that much diet soda for so many years, but I am really proud of the fact that I broke the habit and developed a new one. Today I can tell you that I, on average, have 75 ounces of water per day. And in order for me to develop a habit, I had to develop a system. Because the definition of a habit is something you don't even have to think about, you just do it naturally. You don't have to use self-will or determination. You don't have to force yourself to do it. You just do it. And because I didn't love water and because I could never remember how much water I was drinking, I developed a system. I call it the 131 hydration system. And you don't have to be part of the 131 movement to enjoy this system that's going to help you drink at a minimum 75 ounces of water a day. There's a story behind it, and I want to share it with you. So once you're done with this podcast, can you write this down for me? Or will you remember it? I bet you'll remember it. It's really, really easy. 131-H2O. And I am so excited to be hearing from former diet soda addicts just like me who are now cured and doing something healthy for themselves every single day. That's 131H2O.com. Okay.